point out to you as you read your your Bibles and you start the new year schedule of reading the Word of God, you read Chronicles, and it's exactly what it is. It's a bunch of Chronicles, and a lot of it's just details that might not seem to be so practical, and it might be tempting to just kind of not really read the pages, and, and, and I totally understand that, humanly speaking. I mean, you start out with Chronicles chapter 1, and it's pretty much... Adam, Sheth, Enosh, and, and on and on and on and on, and names after names after names after names after names, and uh, definitely not good reading if you're tired. And uh, and then you get to chapter 4, and and you're reading the sons of Judah, Perez, and Hezron, and Carmi, and Hur, and Shobal, and Rila, the son of Shobal, begat Jaath, and Jaath begat Ahumai, and Lehed, and these are the families of the Zorathites. And these were of the father of Edom, Jezreel and Ishma and Idbash and the name of their sister Hazel Puni and Penuel the father of Gidor and Ezer the father of Heshua these are the sons of Hur the firstborn of Ephrata the father of Bethlehem and really this does have significance and there, and there really is a reason for all this and it does tie into the lineage of Christ and prove his genealogy but uh, we keep reading and we just wonder why is God uh, having this for us for reading but there is a reason Asher the father of Tekoa had two wives, Hela and Nera, and Nera bare him Ahuzam and Hefer and Temenai and Hahashtarai. These were the sons of Nera, and the sons of Hela were Zareth and Jezor and Ethnan, and Kaz begat Anab and Zobah and the families of Arahel and the son of Harum. And if you're like me, you, you wonder you know, what's the point of reading all these names? And I'll be honest, sometimes, you know, that we, 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 we just skim over them and we don't think much about them. But we were talking in Sunday school this morning about how in the book of Hebrews there are people that are mentioned but not by name. And we talked about how that, that probably when we stand before the throne of God in heaven and the awards are given, and there is an award ceremony in heaven, and when awards are given, they'll probably be heroes that no one's ever heard of, unsung heroes that no one's ever heard anything about. And all of the more popular Christians that we would have known might be standing to the side waiting for these unsung heroes to go through line first. Uh, and we'll learn some things about people that we did not know. And and I'm sure uh, that, as I was saying this morning, the four men who brought in that sick friend of theirs to see Jesus and tore open the roof and dropped him down from the roof, we don't know their name, but we'll be learning those names in heaven. But we have a name here that's given, and in all of these names, and names after names after names after names after names, and all of a sudden in verse 9 of chapter 4, it says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed, and that and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, and that it might not grieve me. And God granted him that which he requested. And then Chulub, the brother of Shua, begat Mare, and, and on and on you go again. And so for two verses, they stop. There's just this stop and this. It's almost like a washboarded road. We were driving on a road like that today, and it's just kind of the, 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 as you read all these things. And then there's just kind of a smooth spot there where you get two whole verses for Jabez. 
And think about what it says here. Jabez, we don't know a lot about him. We don't know for sure. We're, we're assuming he's probably of the tribe of Judah because that's how the chapter starts and it talks about Bethlehem. And so we, we're assuming that Jabez probably was of the line of Judah and in that tribe. And also, if you go back to the end of chapter 2 and verse 55, it's, it's possible that Jabez, because he was an honorable man, that they actually named a city after him because it says, and the families of the scribes, which dealt dwelt at Jabez, and the Tirathites, and the Shemathites, and the Succothites. These are the Kenites that came of Hamath, the father of the house of Rechab. And so we see that Jabez probably, possibly, was a scribe of the families of the scribes, and that even a city or a town was named after him. And by the way, notice at the end of verse 55 of the house of Rechab. You remember the story of the Rechabites. In the 250-year-old sermon in Jeremiah, uh, when, when God used the Rechabites to teach Jeremiah some things about being faithful. Don't know a lot of de- details about Jabez. It doesn't give us, but I'll tell you what, it gives us a lot more details about him than some of these other names. But what we find here <coughs> in verse 9, some things that we can, at least four things that we can see about him, and we can learn something tonight from Jabez. And on Sunday nights, for a while anyway, I'm going to take different insignificant people in the Bible and talk about them. People that you would just read and maybe skim over and not think much about it uh, because there's not a lot of detail given of their life, but enough details to make it so that we can learn some things from each of their lives. And tonight's going to be Jabez. One of the things that we see right away, verse 9, Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. That's why I think he probably got more than just a name mentioned. He was more honorable. He was probably one of the scribes and probably a very respected scribe. The term honorable, uh, you can compare it with Scripture and see what honorable means. We see in Isaiah chapter 3, Isaiah chapter 3 and verse 5, you can see that honorable opposite of another word. Isaiah 3 verse 5 says, And the people shall be oppressed every one by another and every one by his neighbor and the child shall behave himself proudly against the ancient and the base against the honorable opposite of honorable is base light lightly esteemed lightly esteemed versus heavily esteemed Jabez was more honorable than his brethren he was a respected man whoever he was Notice, though, number B, or letter B, if I can say it that way. Secondly, Jabez was an overcomer. Because if you paid attention to those two verses, 9 and 10, then you realize something about Jabez. His name means sorrowful. That's his name. We were talking, there's somebody in our church that recently, they have a a great niece, or, or excuse me, a great nephew, I think it was, someone that just had a baby boy. They named the boy Pearl. Apparently, there's somebody in the family named Pearl, and so they named this little boy Pearl. And, of course, we were laughing about how in the world could you do that to a boy? It's kind of like that Johnny Cash song, right? A boy named Sue. Well, how would you like to be sorry? Hey, well, who's this? This is my son, sorry. He's sorry. I mean, just think about it. <laughs> I mean, and... Uh, this mother, apparently, I, we don't know the details. We don't know what's going on here. It was a difficult birth. Let's read it again. Verse verse number nine, and Jabez was more honorable than his brethren, colon, 
It's a little background here. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bear him with sorrow. You talk about being a little bit selfish and short-sighted when you name your child sorry. It's not quite as bad as Sue, maybe, but it's close. And and we don't know what, what was the deal, if she had a difficult labor, if it was a difficult birth. Maybe he had a birth defect. Maybe he was born with an impediment or a handicap. Maybe she died shortly after she gave birth to him. It reminds me of when Benjamin was born and uh, his mother, Rachel, called him son of my sorrows. And Jacob named, changed the name from Benoni to Benjamin. <coughs> and Jabez didn't have any father to change his name, and so he just grew up being sorrowful. It's got to have some. That's got to wear on you some way if your name is sorry. That was his name. He was an overcomer. Maybe he had a handicap. Maybe there was a birth defect. I don't know, but all I know is his mother called him sorry. But he was blessed, as we're going to see tonight. God's hand was on him. And it could be, no matter what his mother's reasoning was, it could be that God used that to help him, as we saw in the bulletin in the back page, a thorn in the flesh, something that keeps us humble and keeps us weak and keeps us uh, at our, on our knees begging for God's help. Because fourthly, what you see most about Jabez is that he was a man of prayer. It says in verse 10, he called on the God of Israel. Now, I believe that Jabez obviously then knew God. I'm I'm reading in between the lines because we've only got two verses, but I'm going to tell you this. I do believe that Jabez probably grew up a humble young man, surrounded by a bunch of people who were probably more sorry than he was. And yet God used that humbling experience and that humbling situation in his life to draw him close to the Lord. And so when he prayed, he prayed to God as if he knew him. He called on the God of Israel. He called on him as the Bible teaches us to do. It reminds me of what it says in Matthew chapter number 6. And I want to just point this out. I know you might have heard this before. Maybe you've never heard me say this or you've never heard this put this way before. But in Matthew chapter 6, when the Bible teaches and Jesus had taught his disciples how to pray, this is what he said. Matthew 6 and verse 6 and then verse 9. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. And then verse 9, it says, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I know this is kind of a simplistic thought, but think about it. We can't really pray our father unless he is your father. Unless you've been adopted into God's family, you really don't have that intimate relationship with your heavenly father. I think Jabez had an intimate relationship with God. I think Jabez called on God as if he had called on God before. So many people, as in the Catholic tradition and other, have memorized the words, our father which art in heaven. Probably people in here had memorized those words, our father which art in heaven, before you ever got saved. But let's be honest doesn't do you any good to say our father which art in heaven if he's not your father and so the prayer needs to be from a child to a father 
Otherwise, it'd be just as weird as if some strange boy knocked on your door tomorrow and called you father. Doesn't fit. But Jabez knew God and prayed to him as a heavenly father. The Bible teaches us that we are to pray that way. Look with me in John chapter 15. We were in John 15 this morning in Sunday school. John 15 and verse 17 says, If ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. <clears throat> I do believe that Jabez was a man of prayer who prayed to a God he knew as a, as a father in heaven. That's how you and I are to pray. There's young people in here you might not, and not just young people, there are old people in here. You might never have had a good relationship with your own father. Isn't it wonderful that Psalms 27 says, when my father and mother hath forsaken me, the Lord will take me up. Look, if your parents called you sorry, you probably didn't have a good relationship with your parents. You know? Hey, sorry, what do you want? Here this man grew up knowing God. In 1 John chapter number 5, I think he also had confidence that God would listen to him. Something tells me that Jabez knew that God didn't look at him as sorry. Let's say Jabez really did have some kind of a handicap. Can I just say that most people, especially back then, you'd be looked at as sorry. You'd be looked at as pretty much worthless. You can't work a job if you got some kind of a crippling disease or some kind of a handicap or something like that. But 1 John chapter 5, verse 14 says, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. Isn't that awesome? If we have the confidence that we are asking in his will, and notice, Jabez is not asking for something un, unreasonable or un, ungodly or selfish. <coughs> Jabez is praying to a God as if he knows him. <coughs> and he's praying with confidence. And also, back in First Chronicles chapter 4, you can see that he's praying fervently. <coughs> First Chronicles chapter 4 again. And we'll start verse 9 and 10 where we were. But First Chronicles 4, 9... It says, And Jabez was more honorable than his brethren. His mother called his name Jabez, saying, Because I bear him with sorrow. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, oh, and just notice that, Oh, that's an expression of emotion and grief. Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. And in prayer of, of intensity, just like when Jacob was wrestling with the angel, and he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. This is the same intensity that Jabez is praying here, oh God, I need you to bless me. Have you ever prayed that way? God, I need you. We need you. A few weeks ago, I sent out a, a, just an email to all of the people involved with our church about a prayer request concerning the housing prices that we have in our county. It's a big deal. We have good young people that want to live here and work here and, and serve, and it's a wonderful thing that they're here, but they got to have a place to live. You know, slowly but surely, just not 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 like, you know, money falling from the sky, but slowly we're we're seeing just little bits of rays of sunshine and hope with some of our young men looking for a place. What a blessing. 
And God, I just know that God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. God can handle it. God, God, you, you might look at sorry and say, you're sorry. There's nothing we can do for you, sorry. Sorry, sorry. But God doesn't look at sorry and say, you're beyond hope. I can help you out, sorry. I will help you out. And I want to mention here, when we pray, God would have us to pray with that kind of intensity and passion. Look what Jesus said. You might as well keep your finger in First Chronicles 4 because we're going to keep going back there. But look what Jesus said in Luke chapter 11. <clears throat> Luke 11, Jesus said in verse 5, Which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me, and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, Trouble me not, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot rise and give thee. I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. What is importunity? Well, you remember a few weeks ago when we had our Christmas program and the grumpy man came to the door, what do you want? And this little girl said, Hi, sir, I'd like to sell you. I don't want to buy. Well, I have this. Well, I don't know. Didn't you see the sign? I. That's importunity. Just not going to take no for an answer. Just not going to stop the first time. <clears throat> when you're sorry, you probably have some importunity. God, you don't understand. I'm sorry. I don't have anybody else. I know you don't necessarily want to maybe answer my prayer, but I need you to answer my prayer in some way or another. I need you to help me. And so the parable here that Jesus is giving is saying, this man doesn't want to go through the bother, but because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And then Jesus says in verse 9 and 10, And I say unto you, Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and ye shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. And he that seeketh, findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. Even though he was, even though his name was sorry, and maybe his parents didn't have time for him. Maybe other people in his life didn't have a lot of time for him. He went to a God who had time for him. And he, I believe, prayed with a desire and an intensity and a passion that God couldn't resist. Let's not forget to pray that way. Let's not pray one time for someone to get saved and then forget it. Let's not pray one time for this or that to happen, but to continue to pray and to fervently ask God for help. But let's also pray specifically. Because notice what Jabez asked for in verse 10. He called on the God of Israel saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. First of all, just for grace. The Bible tells us that for James chapter 4 and verse 6, God resisteth the proud but giveth grace unto the humble. It goes on to say, Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to heaviness. In fact, I want to just show it to you in James chapter 4. I want you to see this word because it goes with tonight's message. James chapter 4. 
in verse 6, he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he shall flee from you. From you. Draw nigh to God, and he'll draw nigh to you. Maybe, maybe you are sorry. Can I tell you something? If sorry causes you to not have a lot of friends or other resources, that might be a blessing in disguise if you have to go to God instead of somebody else. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9, be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves on the side of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Notice verse 9. That's what being sorry is. Being afflicted, mourning, weeping, joy to heaviness. You know that's the access to grace. Is it any wonder then that Sorry could pray for blessing and they would get answered. <coughs> when you're humbled and brought low, that's not a bad thing. When your mother calls you sorry, that's lousy, but it's really a blessing. Because when my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. And Jabez went to God as if he was his father and said, oh, that you would bless me. I need your grace, God. Second Corinthians in the New Testament, chapter 9 and verse 4, excuse me, verse 8 says this, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. We need the grace of God. Jabez said, I just need you to bless me. I need, I need you to bless me. Now, when we think blessing, I don't know, maybe someone here is thinking <clears throat> a new a new diesel pickup or a new home or, or something like that. I don't think Jabez was, was really asking for material things. But one thing he asked for was the grace and the blessing of God. I'm just going to give you some Gs. The grace of God, secondly, he also asked for growth. It says in verse 10, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast. In 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, 2 Peter 3 and verse 18, it says this, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. Are you satisfied with the type of Christian you are right now? Are you satisfied right now with what you are as a Christian? Or do you want to grow? Would you like to grow in more grace and more knowledge? The Bible tells us to grow. And Jabez knew that he needed to grow. Now, he was already an honorable man. He was already respectable. But he prayed and said, Lord, I need you to bless me and I need you to grow me. Increase my circle of influence. Enlarge my coast. In, in other words, broaden my horizons. Allow me to have a, a larger path of influence, a larger circle of influence. Jabez prayed for grace and for growth. And then notice what else he prayed for. Guidance. Back there in verse 10 it says, And that thine hand might be with me guidance. Wow. 
Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6, we have these verses on the wall of our kitchen. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. And we all do that. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths, that thine hand might be with me, that the decisions I make and the places I go are in, your, in and under your guidance and your control. Psalm 37, 23 is a great verse as well. It says this in Psalm chapter 37 and 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. Recently I was talking about Moses and how that when he led the people out of Egypt across the Red Sea, he literally went the dumbest way you could possibly go, except it was exactly what God told him to do. And so therefore it wasn't the dumbest way. And he was following the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night, and God was leading and guiding Moses just like a shepherd with his sheep. And Moses looked like a fool to Pharaoh and the Egyptians until the Red Sea split in half. God, I need you to guide me that thine hand might be with me and that it would be obvious that you're guiding me along the way. We also in Ezra a few months ago were studying and we look at Ezra chapter number 7 and verse 9 and 10 and it says, For upon the first day of the first month began he to go up from Babylon and on the first day of the fifth month came he to Jerusalem according to the good hand of his God upon him. I was just reading in Nehemiah last week. According to the good hand of my God upon me. Verse 10, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. As we start the new year, you know what we got to remember? We need guidance. <coughs> we need direction. You can ask my boys. They'll tell you almost every night when we pray together, I'm asking God to help our boys to have wisdom and guidance. <coughs> wisdom about their future. Wisdom about a future mate but also wisdom about where God wants them to be and what he wants them to be doing and to not get ahead of God and make something happen on their own, but that his hand would be with me. And as we know, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. And that leads me to the last one. We have the, the grace. He's, he prayed for grace and blessing. He prayed for enlargement or growth. And he prayed for guidance that God would be with him and direct him. And then also in chapter 4, verse 10, and that thou wouldest keep me from evil, that it may not grieve me. And I have here for godliness, that thou wouldest keep me from evil. <clears throat> Lead us not into temptation, but keep us and direct our paths from evil that we would not be led and drawn into evil. Remember what Job prayed for his children? He said it could be that they have rejected or cursed God in their hearts. And we pray for God to give our children godliness and to keep them from evil. Yesterday when I heard about these young men that were in a rollover accident and one was killed 
and the whole situation and how it happened, my heart just grieved. And I'll tell you one thing that came to my mind. If it weren't for the grace of God, it could be my own kids. If it weren't for the blessing and mercy of God, it, would be, it could be my own children. But godliness keeps us out of a whole bunch of trouble. Godliness guides us and protects us along the way. I started to quote it, and I, and I kind of misquoted it, so let me just read it to you. But Matthew 6, we were there a minute ago, but Matthew 6 and verse 13. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There are times when we just need God to help us to stay out of trouble. Look, if your name's sorry, there's a good chance you're going to stumble right into it. I mean... <laughs> I mean, after all, you're sorry. If you're sorry, you need help. And godliness is the, is the wonderful blessing of the Lord that keeps us from a lot of error. I'll tell you what, just, just walking with the Lord and being a godly young person will keep you out of a lot of trouble, young ladies. Will keep you a lot of, a lot of, a lot of trouble, young men. It will help you to avoid things. It will help you to stay away from places you just ought not be and to stay away from situations. Listen, I do know this. I do know that at any moment, my children could easily be involved in a car wreck. They kind of have a heavy foot like their dad, some of them. And they're not always the brightest like their dad, some of them. But I do believe that they are not involved in alcohol, praise God. And that by itself will <laughs> reduce the chances of evil greatly. And that the hand might be with me and that thou wouldest keep me from evil that it may not grieve me. I know we could probably quote it, but let's read it. Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to... <coughs> Excuse me. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I need your guidance as a shepherd with sheep, and I need your guidance because I need your godliness. I need to be close to you. These are the prayer requests that Jabez prayed. And now I want to just show you one more thing, and we'll be done. Back in First Chronicles chapter 4. First Chronicles 4 again in verse 10. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed and enlarge my coast, and that thine hand might be with me, and that thou wouldest keep me from the evil, that it may not grieve me. And let me say before I finish this thought, I, 
I, I don't want to sound arrogant or, or conceited, but it is a blessing to do it God's way. Can I tell you that tomorrow, if, if one of my children were involved in a terrible car wreck and, and maybe they were driving and the car wreck did cause the life of someone, it would be hard for all of us. It would be hard for my wife and I. It would be hard for our whole family. But when you add in the concept that alcohol was involved, it would be devastating for us. You understand the difference? It would be absolutely devastating because that means that it probably could have been avoided. And I'm telling you that when God protects and guides and it keeps you from evil, it's a blessing. And young people, there's TikTok and YouTube and TV and all kinds of junk out there that's constantly calling at you and saying, come visit and have some evil with us. Come experience some evil. You don't know what fun tastes like. Here, drink this. Jabez prayed, God, please help me. I need your blessing. I need you to enlarge me. I need your guidance and I need your godliness. And look what God did. And God granted him that which he requested. Wow. Let's be like Jabez. God saw what he was praying and said, that's reasonable. And that's worth noting in two verses of the Bible, whereas everybody else just gets their name mentioned. The Bible says in James 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And did you know God delights in answering prayer? <clears throat> Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Call unto me. Well, the prices of real estate around here are just out of reach. Do you have a God who has a lot of money in the bank? Or better yet, do you have a God that has all the real estate? God made real estate. Well, <clears throat> the economy is so bad. I know, but God's bigger than the economy. Well, I've got this situation, I've got this. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I don't think Jabez was asking to be a millionaire. I don't think Jabez was asking for something unreasonable. Jabez was just saying, God, I need you to bless me. I would like for you to enlarge my coast so I have a greater influence, circle of influence. I need you to guide me with your hand upon me, and I need you to keep me from evil that it won't grieve me. And God said, you know what, sorry? I can handle those. Let me ask you, are you sorry enough to be blessed like that? Are you a sorry person? Because God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Remember that penitent, publican that came in and prayed and said oh God be merciful to me a sinner and the Pharisee prayed within himself God I thank you that I'm not sorry like he is guess which one God blessed sorry don't be afraid to be sorry don't know all the details but two verses tell us a lot 
about a man who is known as the prayer of Jabez and what God did for him as he prayed those. And you know what? The thing is, those four things he asked for, you and I can ask for them every day. Nothing wrong with us asking for those very things every day that God would bless us as well. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. Thank you for opportunity <coughs> to just look into the life of a 